Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Each Lord's Day in December, we have taken a bird's eye view of the Christmas story, highlighting through Scripture what Christmas is all about. Today, we come to the final element of our story, but yet the element that permeates all aspects of the Christmas story. It's the pinnacle, not just of Christmas, but the pinnacle of the Bible itself. Christmas is the story of a willing Savior, a willing Savior. Our scripture text this morning emphasizes the name that God instructed Joseph and Mary to give to the Christ child. What is his name? His name is Jesus. The Holy Spirit tells us here through the message of the angel that Joseph received the news in verse 21, you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus. Is there a more lovely name than the name Jesus? Spurgeon said, so inexpressibly fragrant is the name of Jesus that it imparts a delicious perfume to everything which comes in connection with it. Jesus, it is the name that expels fear. It is the name at which demons tremble. It is the name where hope is found, the name by whom life is imparted, and the name whereby death is defeated. It is the name given to him by God. The Father, think of it this morning, named his son Jesus. It's his personal name. The name that reveals he is the son of God and also the son of man. The name that shows he bears our nature but not our corruption. The name that encompasses all other names by which he is called. You see, it is in the name Jesus. Jesus, in the name Jesus, we know him as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It is in the name Jesus we experience him as Emmanuel, God with us. You see, on this Christmas Eve morning, I want you to know that the name of Jesus is the best of all names. It is the best of all names in heaven. And it's the best of all names on earth. Think of it. 
It's the best of all names because God would never have given him a name of secondary value. This is his son. He is giving his son the best and the best of all names is the name Jesus. It is the highest, brightest, noblest, and most exalted of all names. It is the name Jesus, and no one is worthy to bear the name but him. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 that God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And it's here in Matthew 1, 21, that the inspired word of God tells us the reason why the second person of the triune God, the Christ child of Christmas, is given the name of Jesus. And let me lay these out for you. First of all, he is given the name Jesus because he is Jesus the Savior. He is Jesus the Savior. Call his name Jesus for he will save. He will save. Jesus the Savior. That is the exact meaning of the Hebrew name Jesus. In Hebrew, it is Yeshua. Yeshua, Jesus, it means the Savior, the Savior. Call his name the Savior, for he will save. As Savior, he delivers. As Savior, he preserves. As Savior, he keeps. As Savior, he protects. And as Savior, he holds secure in his hand those he saves. This is why he came. He came as the sinner's Savior. The Savior who will indeed save. You know, it's hard to fully comprehend the richness and depth of what it means for the Savior to save. Even the writer of Hebrews struggle to describe the essence of salvation and I find that incredibly helpful because the writer of Hebrews had probably the most extensive vocabulary of any of the New Testament authors. In trying to explain the vastness of salvation, the richness, the, the depth of it, he could come to no other description other than to simply call it such a great salvation. It's as if he couldn't find the right words to do it justice. How do I explain to you salvation? It is a great salvation. That's the best that I can do. A great salvation. Yet, this great salvation that is beyond our ability to fully comprehend is perfectly expressed in the name Jesus. In fact... The Savior, he must be, because that's his name. His name is Savior. So a Savior, he must be. He has to be. 
He can do none else. This is the name. This is by which he is called. And the fact that God the Father gave him the name Savior is a guarantee that he will and has been successful as the Savior. What child is this that lay to rest in Mary's lap is sleeping? Oh, this is Jesus the Savior. What's his name? Savior. This is Jesus. Salvation is his name. You know, there are many who testify that they know Jesus. They invoke his name to describe his moral example describe his religious teaching or perhaps even his noble leadership. History itself, even without any record of the scripture, speaks to that. But yet they do not know him by the definition of his personal name. They do not yet know him by the definition of his truest identity. You see, he is not just Jesus the moral example, Jesus the religious leader, Jesus the noble one. No, this is Jesus the Savior. Jesus the Savior of sinners. And I want to help you this morning. Because he or she who does not know him as Jesus the Savior does not know him at all. To know Jesus is to know him more than a religious figure. To know Jesus is to know him as the Savior. But not just the Savior. It is to know him as my Savior. Savior is his name. And saving is what he does. He was the Savior in eternity past. He was the Savior in the virgin's womb. He was the Savior in the manger. He was the Savior walking the streets of Galilee. He was the Savior on the cross. He was the Savior in the tomb. He was the Savior on the clouds of his ascension. And he continues at this very moment as the Savior on the throne. He is Jesus, Jesus the Savior. And I've got good news this morning. He is able to save anyone to the uttermost who draws near to God through him. The Apostle Paul declared in Acts chapter 4, this is Jesus. Peter, who are you making all this ruckus about? Peter, Who are you talking about? Well, let me tell you who I'm talking about. This is Jesus, and there is salvation in no one else because there is no greater name under heaven given among men by where we must be saved. Call his name Savior, for he will save. He is Jesus the Savior. As it has been often noted, if our greatest need had been information, God would have named him educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have named him scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have named him economist. 
If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have named him entertainer. But our greatest need is salvation. So God named him Savior. And on this Christmas Eve, and on every Lord's Day, we celebrate Jesus, the Savior. But Savior of what? Savior of whom? Well, that that brings me to the second thing that I want you to notice here about Matthew 21. We not only see him as Jesus the Savior, but following in sequence of the verse, we see him as Jesus the Savior of his people. Jesus the Savior of his people. Now look at it again there in your Bibles, verse 21. Call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. Jesus has a people. Before the foundation of the world, he has always had a people. It's a people of his possession, and it is to them, it is to them that he is a savior. The name Jesus has no proper meaning apart from his people. Do you understand that? Apart from his people, Savior doesn't mean anything. If there were no sinners in need of salvation, then there is no need for a Savior. He is the Savior because he has a people. He is the Savior because he has a people who need saving. And these are the only people that he can save. These are the only people that he will save. Those who know they need saving. He cannot save the righteous. He can only save sinners. He cannot save people who think they've got it all together. No, he can only save people who know that everything's falling apart. That's his people. They are sinners. And notice here in verse 21 that the angel declared to Joseph that these whom he will save are already his people. That is, they are a peculiar people, set apart, chosen, and belonging to him. His mission, therefore, is to come to them, to save them. To claim them as his possession. To secure them as eternally his through the blood of his cross. He is not a universal savior. Now, he's a savior to the world. He is a savior to all the peoples of the world. But he did not come to save everyone regardless of whether or not they believe in him. Perhaps that's what you think this morning at Christmas. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus died on a cross so that everyone who has ever lived can go to heaven when they die. Even those who flat out reject him. Regardless of who you say your God is, regardless of whether or not you even claim religion, Jesus died, now everyone's going to be saved. No, friend, that's not how it works. 
Not everyone is saved by the Savior. Are you listening? Not everyone is saved by the Savior. Only those who are his people. He came to save his people. A people whom the Father gave him. A people who were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. A people guaranteed to never perish because the Father is patiently waiting for them to come to him in faith and repentance. That ought to encourage your heart this morning. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, he is not willing that any should perish. Look at it in the context. You know who the any is? The any is his people. He will not let any of his people perish. He will not let any of those die without him whom the Father has given to him. You see, he is a savior to those who turn from their sin. He is a savior to those who believe in him. He is a savior to those who follow him. He is not a universal savior. He is a particular savior. A particular savior. A savior of a particular group of people. His people. People who trust in him. And I think it's vitally important that you understand that on this day before Christmas. That we understand it to the same degree that Joseph understood it when the angel proclaimed it to to him. Jesus is the Savior. But he will only save those who are his people. So, who are his people? Well, that's the good news. His people are those who freely come to him. His people are those who come to Jesus the Savior by faith. Laying down not only their unrighteousness, but laying down also their righteousness. His people are those who come to him, who believe in him, who trust him. That's who he saves. His people who know they need saving does not come to save those who come to religion, but not to him. Listen carefully. The Savior does not save those who come to religion, but not to him. He does not save those who come to church, but not to him. He does not save those who come to a Christmas Eve service, but not to to him. He saves only those who come to him. And those who come to him are his people. And that's the invitation that he wants you and I to hear today. The invitation that he gave 2,000 years ago in Matthew chapter 11 when he said, come to me. That's what Jesus is saying to you this morning. Come to me. All you who labor, all of you who are heavy laden, all of you who are broken, all of you who are sinful, all of you who know you need a Savior, come to me. And Jesus says, I will be your Savior. I will give you rest. Because everyone who comes to him, everyone who comes to him, calling upon His name, Romans tells us. What name? The name of Savior. (laughs) Everyone who comes to him calling upon Savior will be saved by the Savior. 
And that's a guarantee. Because Jesus, the Savior, is the Savior of his people. And what specifically, Pastor, is he saving his people from? Well, we go back to the message that the angel gave Joseph. He is Jesus the Savior. He is Jesus the Savior of his people. He is Jesus the Savior of his people from their sins. Jesus the Savior of his people from their sins. Look at it there again in verse 21. Uh, Call his name Jesus. Call his name Savior. For he will save his people from their sins. The name of Jesus is given to our Lord because he is the Savior. The Savior that no one else is. He is the Savior that no one else can be. For example, those of you who have studied the Old Testament understand that there were many saviors in the Scriptures. Men whom God would use in the Old Testament life of Israel to deliver his people from their enemies. Men like Moses and Joshua and David. They were all saviors, so to speak. In fact, if you study the Bible at any length of time and understand the heartbeat behind the Jewish people, you'll discover that they were always looking for a Savior. They were always looking for a Deliverer. Of course, they were looking for a Savior of a certain kind. A Savior who would free them from Roman oppression, who would lead them in an establishment of their own political kingdom. They were always looking for a Savior, a Deliverer. So so what's actually interesting about this is that it was not uncommon for people to name their children in that day Savior, Yeshua, Jesus. They were eager for a Savior. And they hoped by naming their son Savior that perhaps he would be the one who was the Savior. Now listen, I don't trust my genes at all to name any one of my kids Savior. Satan, maybe, but not Savior. (laughs) But think about this. This is where their hope lied. Maybe our son will be Yeshua. Maybe our son will be the Savior. Well, let's, let's name him Yeshua. In fact, Josephus, the Jewish historian of that day, in his own writings who lived right at the time of Christ, he recorded of about 12 different people who carried the name Jesus. However... They may have had his name, but they did not have his power. There's only one Jesus. Jesus Christ alone has both the name Savior and he has the power of Savior. It's why he says, turn to me and be saved, all the earth, for I am God the Savior, and there is no one else. It is at the name of Jesus Christ, the Savior of Nazareth, and him alone that every knee ought to bow. It is at the name of Jesus Christ alone that every tongue ought to confess that he is the one who is the Lord. He is the one who is the Savior because he has the only power to do what the Savior came to do. Are you listening? He, has the only, he is the only one who has the only power to do what the Savior came to do, and that is to save 
sinners from their sins. No one else can do that for you. You cannot even do it for yourself. And go find some random man on the street named Jesus, and he cannot do it for you either. There is only one who has the name and the power, and that is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus Christ, God's own son. Jesus will come. He will save his people. He will save his people from their sins. It doesn't say that Jesus will come and reward people for their righteousness. Perhaps that's how you're living. If I do good enough, we had this discussion in our home this week as we were watching the wonderful theological lessons of Home Alone 2. And I've already watched. I watched the Christmas story last night. I'm all good. It's Christmas. I think the pigeon lady, that's the best I know how to call her. I don't know what her name is. The pigeon lady in Home Alone 2 had told little Kevin McAllister that a good deed weighs out a bad deed. Well, listen, I appreciate the lady. She's a heart wrencher, but she's wrong theologically. No good deeds ever weigh, outweigh any bad deeds. Never. Some of you are living that way. And you hope by living that way that Jesus will come and reward you for your righteousness. But it doesn't say that. He doesn't come rewarding people for their righteousness. He doesn't come promoting people for their purity. He doesn't come crowning those who live with Christian values. It doesn't even say here that he comes to save people from becoming sinners. No, no, no. It says he saves people who are already in sin. He saves people from their sins. Romans 5 8. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Friend, the Savior saves bad people. The Savior saves unrighteous people. The Savior saves unholy people. The Savior saves adulterers. He saves murderers. He saves pornographers. He saves gossipers. He saves people who are disobedient to their parents. That's who he saves. He saves sinners. Because it is from our sins that we most need to be saved from. You see, that's the issue. Not only have sinners been born into sin, but we are dead in our sins. Dead. And the Bible says that those who are dead in their sins already have the wrath of God on their lives. A wrath that brings eternal death in hell, separated from God forever, and without hope. This is what we need to be saved from, and this is why the Savior came. He came to save us from the sin that damns us. He came to save us from the death that awaits us. Spurgeon, I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not. When we opened presents last night. You know what my wife bought me? She bought me some beard oil. She loves my beard. This is not just any other beard oil, though, friends. This was a 
beard oil that came from a company called Reformed Beards. And it's called the Spurge. And it has a picture of Charles Spurgeon. And it said if you dot a couple of three or four oil, rub it in there, you'll preach with the power of God on your life. <laughs> hey, I'm already trying to grow a belly out like Spurgeon. I got the beard like it. Maybe tonight we can smoke a cigar together. Spurgeon said, the first link between my soul and Christ is not my goodness but my badness. Not my merit, but my misery. Not my standing, but my falling. Not my riches, but my need. Spurgeon said he comes to visit his people, yet not to admire their beauties, but to remove their deformities. Not to reward their virtues, but to forgive their sins. I'm bringing this to a close, but I want every sinner in this room to listen carefully. I don't want you to listen to me because somebody told you you were a sinner. I want you to listen to me because you know you are guilty before God. You know it. If you will believe in him, he will save you from your sins. If you will believe in him, he will save you from your sins. How does he do it? By willingly coming to this earth in human flesh in order to be the perfect savior for sin that sin demands. Hebrews chapter 10 reveals this great truth to us. When Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. He's speaking to God the Father. Sacrifices and offerings you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In other words, Jesus did not come to prepare a sacrifice for sin like all the other priests. No, he came to be the sacrifice for sin. What was put in the womb of Mary was the sacrifice of God himself, a body he prepared, God becoming a man because it was the only way a perfect sacrifice could be offered for sin. And this was the will of God. That is multiple times he described himself as willingly doing this in Hebrews chapter 10. He willingly did this. He did this by the will of God. Three times it says in Hebrews chapter 10, by the will of God, by the will of God, by the will of God. He didn't do this by constraint, friend. He came to save you, his people, out of his love for you and his desire to give you mercy and his desire to bestow grace upon your life and his desire to glorify his Father. He is a willing Savior. He is the only Savior. He sanctifies sinners by the offering of his body. Yes, the body that was placed in the womb of his mother. That body was prepared to be a body of death. Savior took upon himself all the sins of his people. And in his body on the cross, he bore the penalty of his people's sins. Isaiah said that's exactly what he would do. Isaiah 53, 6, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of the sins of his people were put on him for atonement. Upon him the chastisement of our sins brought us peace. With his wounds we are healed. Peter said, Christ suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. 
This is what Christmas is all about. A willing Savior. That actually feels a whole lot better. (laughs) But it is not me you need to see today. It is Jesus you need to see. It is Jesus, the willing Savior. God in the flesh who came to this earth bearing his own wrath so that his people would be saved. And it was carried out, all of it, in the name of Jesus. Not Muhammad. Not Buddha. Not Jonathan. Not religion. Not Baptist. Not Catholicism. No, it's all carried out in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, Jesus. It is the gospel name of God, Jesus. You know, sometimes our lives contradict the meaning or the symbolism of our name. My, my name, Jonathan, in the Bible means God's gracious gift. 20 years of marriage and she still doesn't believe it. The symbolism is that we see Jonathan and his friendship with David. Jonathan in the Bible is the best friend you could ever have. And I'll be the first to admit that I often fall short of the symbolism of my name. But Jesus has never contradicted his, he is the Savior. And saving is what he does. Call his name Jesus. Call his name what? Savior. Call his name Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. He is Jesus the Savior. He is Jesus the Savior of his people. He is Jesus the Savior of his people from their sins. This is who he is. This is what he's done. And today he is ready to include you into his Christmas story. What do I have to do, Pastor? Come to him. Believe that the name of Jesus is the name that can save you from your sins. Trust in him. Believe the promise that anyone who calls on the name Jesus will be saved was five years old when I called upon the Lord. Has there been a time in your life where you've called upon the Lord? Where you've repented? When you said it's not about my good works, it's not about my religious background, it's not about what I thought I was or who I could be. No, it's all about Jesus. Five years old I came to faith in Christ. Any child in this room can come to faith in Christ if you feel God leading you in your heart to do so. Five years old I came to Christ and I said, Lord, I am a sinner. I have sin, but you are the Savior, and I'm trusting you, not me. I'm trusting you, not my preacher parents. I'm trusting you and you alone to do only what you can do. Save me from my sin. Oh, what a wonderful thing Christmas would mean for you to pray that simple prayer in this gathering today. Lord, I'm a sinner. And it is the name of Jesus, Savior, that I'm calling upon to save me. Everyone who calls on the name of Savior will be saved.
What child is this? He is Jesus the Savior. And I pray that he is Jesus, your Savior.